0: Hello Darksiders, I hope you're all well. Okay, before we get into today's, uh, episode, I just want to give you a little disclaimer. This is not a regular episode of Darkside. There will be no law changed, no law enforcement improved, no light on the other side of the darkness. This is actually something completely different, which I hadn't intended to do, but fate forced my hand. So, let's get on with the show, so we can find out what today's episode is all about. I have been working for some time now on a story to bring to your lovely ears, which I had hoped to have ready for this episode drop date. However, the entire episode hinged on an interview. Without it, it was half a story, and sadly, very recently, the interview fell through, through no one's fault. I'm working on a few other stories as well at the moment, but none of them were close enough to being complete, or would have been in time for today's episode. However, as always, I never want to let you down. So, I'm going to be doing something quite different today. In the last few weeks, my little podcast has escalated in listenership, which I'm wholly grateful for, and especially to all of you, because if it weren't for all you lovely people sharing my little podcast, this wouldn't have happened. However, alongside this growth has come a plethora of emails and messages, all asking me a whole host of questions. And well, between my regular day job My secondary part-time job as a media reporter, this podcast, and of course, looking after TH, I just can't get round to responding to them all, and I do hate to be rude. So, today, on this episode, I will answer your questions. So this is your hour, your episode, your questions answered. This is Darkside, and I am your host. Suze. Okay, I'm going to be amalgamating some of the questions as they contain similar themes, and I'll be as honest as I can be with my answers within the confines of some current legal restrictions. And you'll know why I'm putting this disclaimer in, When we get to the last question. So, on to the unveiling. The first question I've received is, um, is TH my husband's real name? (laughs) No, it's not. It's one of the nicer names I call him. (laughs) I'm joking, joking. No. TH stands for the husband. It's been a pet name since we got married. He calls me T'Waf and he is husband to me. Oh, and where I'm from in the north of England, the word "the" is colloquially abbreviated to just the sound "ta," t-h. hence t'waf and husband." Phew, that was an easy one. Okay, next question. You have said you've lived in America a few times in the podcast. Are you American or British? How come you lived in the USA? Well, this is an easy one. I'm 100% British, born, bred, raised and proud of it. However, after high school, and please bear in mind this was years ago, I wanted to read English at university because I wanted to be a journalist. My family wanted me to study business, and so we found ourselves at a state of impasse. We ended up going to an educational consultancy in london that undertook personal educational and aptitude assessments to determine what was the best educational route and course for me and surprisingly my assessment churned out that i was best suited to an international environment studying both business and arts which i can tell you was a bit of a surprise to me however after an extensive search No such course existed in the UK at the time. So, the consultant advised looking further afield, and even researched this themselves. They came up with a number of institutions that encompassed arts and business. But all of them were in America. And so, I applied to five of their recommendations. New England College, Emerson College, Babson College, Wellesley College, and New Hampshire College. All were located in New England, because if I did go to America, I wanted to be on the East Coast, so it was easier to travel home, and I only wanted to go to a college, not a large university. I'd attended a small school all my life, and I knew I wanted the same for my higher education. These colleges at that time were among the few offering the course that was best recommended for me by the agency, communications and marketing. I got acceptances from them all. However, not realising that the college semesters in America started in early September, as opposed to mid-October in England, I applied in early August, and so I had missed the September entry deadline and thus was offered a start for the following January. Well, I'd watched enough American movies to know that the fall freshman start was where people met their lifelong friends, had the biggest welcome to college life, and, of course, had the most fun. So, a January start by comparison did not appeal to me. I was about to delay my entry to the next year to ensure I had a September start, because... Being new is hard enough, but being new, different and foreign is daunting. When I received a letter telling me that they'd had a freshman cancellation and were willing to accept me. It was New Hampshire College, or Southern New Hampshire University, as it is now known. Well, I was reticent at first. It had not been my first choice, or second, or third in fact, However, they also offered a small scholarship, something my parents wouldn't allow me to turn down. And so, a few weeks later, I joined my fellow freshmen and enjoyed Freshers' Week alongside them. And you know what? Yes, the college wasn't in my top three choices, but it turned out to be the best place for me. I met some of the most inspiring, wonderful, encouraging and supportive people I've ever met in my life, whom I'm still privileged to call my friends to this day. So, apologies to you all, but I am going to give a shout-out to some very special people and amazing college friends, who have not only supported and encouraged me since the day we met, but they have been diligent listeners to my little podcast since day one. So, A big hello and thank you to Frenchie, to Neil, Courtney and Huey. Sisters for Life, MTSND. I ended up spending 13 years in total in the USA. I got a visa to work after graduation and I have to say it was some of the most rewarding, happiest, challenging, wonderful, toughest years of my life. And I'm still so grateful to this day that I was allowed that opportunity. I moved back to the UK right before my visa expired. And for a long while, I really missed America dreadfully and found it hard to assimilate back to life in the UK. But then, I met TH. My mum often asked me if I ever want to move back to the USA. And the answer is no. I love America. I loved my time in America. I love my friends out there, the culture, the people, and the landscape. But I am British, 100%. And I belong in my far-flung village in the north of England. Even despite the weather. Phew, okay. On to the next question. Why do I not share more about myself like most true crime podcasters do? Hm. Okay. Well, two reasons, really. Firstly, I like my privacy. If you're a member of my social media, you will know that my surname is Spencer. And no, I'm not related to Princess Diana. I used to get asked that question all the time when I lived in America. However, I am related to someone who is a public official in the UK, so I do have to be a tad careful about the information I put out. Having said that, I've started putting some pictures of TH and I on the podcast social media pages. So you see, I'm not entirely obscure. Secondly, I don't know about you, but I hate nothing more than when I'm listening to a gripping podcast episode, and all of a sudden, the host goes off on a tangent about what they had for dinner on Saturday night, and by the time they get back to the story, well... (laughs) The tension and the suspense is gone. Poof. And that's if I can even remember where we left off in the plot. Not only that, I listen because I want to hear a story, not someone's weekend culinary activity. So, I afford you that respect in my podcast. I only interject details of my life when it is actually pertinent to the story, such as, in the Kelsey Smith episode, Four Days of Hell, whereby, because I'd worked in the telecom industry back in the early noughties, I knew that Verizon hadn't been honest with the Smiths when they told them they used the wrong term of pinging when they should have used triangulation to find Kelsey's phone. Okay, on to the next question. How can we support the show, and are you going to do Patreon? Oh, thank you. That is so lovely, I really have toyed with Patreon, really toyed. However, the stories I pick tend to be ones not covered so heavily by other podcasters or documentaries and therefore they take a lot more time to research, especially if there is a change in the law that takes place in the story or the stories from half a century ago. It takes me so long to do the researching and writing, that I just don't have time to put together additional episodes of that depth and length for Patreon. However, I have been pondering about creating some dark side minisodes called The Darker Side of History. These would still have the same theme as the main show, i.e. crimes that change laws, etc., but they would be shorter, half-hour stories. You see, if you hadn't noticed... The crimes that I have covered so far all have taken place in the latter part of the 20th century, up to now. And this is because, thanks to the invention of the TV and later the internet, these crimes have been covered by the media, TV shows, podcasters and YouTubers alike. But there are hundreds of laws dating back centuries that have some really fascinating stories behind them. But because these cases are so old, there is little coverage of them. No documentaries, no TV whodunit shows, no YouTube videos. And because in bygone years record-keeping was limited, there is not a tremendous amount of information out there. Certainly not enough for a full-hour episode. So these would be shorter episodes, but still crafted in the same style as the main dark side episodes. And if you're wondering whether I will have time to craft these stories, Well, because there is only limited information on them, they wouldn't take the normal deep dive of research that the main episodes do. I'll give you a little tidbit of what I'm thinking about. Let's take the story of a bull-headed judge who thought his opinion was better than a jury in 1670. Two men of the Quaker faith were arrested in Grace Church Street in London for violating a law that forbade religious assembly of more than five people of any faith outside the Church of England. Both men pled not guilty, and the jury returned a verdict of guilty in relation to speaking in Grace Church Street, but not guilty of speaking to an unlawful assembly. Well, the judge was not happy about this verdict at all, and so he sent the jury off to reconsider. They came back with a verdict of guilty of speaking to an assembly, but refused to call it an unlawful assembly. Well, the judge was furious with the jury. He was a deeply religious member of the Church of England and believed in its traditional values, and he wanted these men and their radical Quaker ways to be found guilty and locked up behind bars for a very long time. So, he sent the jury away again. But this time, he ordered them to be locked up without food, water or heat until they came to their senses. Even the two men on trial objected to this treatment. But the judge ordered them to be bound and gagged. The jury were incarcerated for two days before the judge allowed them back into the courtroom, where he told them that if they'd finally come to their senses, they could read their verdict. And the defiant jury shouted back at him, Not "Not guilty. Well, the judge was incandescent with rage. He found the entire jury guilty of contempt of court. Each jury member was fined, and they were held in prison until the fine was paid. Whilst in prison, one of the jury members applied for a writ of habeas corpus, which is a writ requiring a person to be brought before a judge to investigate the lawfulness of their detention. And fortunately, the jury member was brought in front of a different judge. And this new judge he ruled that a jury could not be punished simply on account of the verdict it returned. The rest of the jurors were released from prison, as were the two men on trial, whom were also acquitted of their crimes. The judge's ruling set the standard for juries and guaranteed the independence of the jury system from this point forward, with no judge being permitted to sway a jury's verdict. So, not only did this case set a precedence in the legal system that is still in place today, but it also had historical ramifications in the USA. You see, had the jury capitulated to the judge and found the two men on trial guilty of their charges, well, the state of Pennsylvania would be called something entirely different today because one of the men on trial was William Penn, founder of Pennsylvania. This story is just a condensed snippet of the kind of stories I'd like to cover, if I launch the darker side of history. Do stories like this sound of interest to you? Would you like to hear more stories like this? If so, drop me a line. And I might just consider putting these episodes together. I will tell you that I am considering doing advertising. I've really staved off from it so far because I'm not a particular fan of them on other shows that I listen to. But well, I never knew podcasting could be so expensive. When I first started out, I thought all I needed was a microphone and a cheap laptop and Bob's Your Uncle. Was I wrong? (laughs) Three microphones and a new laptop later, and the show has taken a serious injection of cash. And then there's the cost of the extra equipment, such as the scissor stand to hold the mic, and a compressor to remove the dynamic sound ranges. And on top of that, there's the podcast hosting site, the website host, and all the books and special access documentaries needed for the research. So... If I do decide to use advertising, please know I wouldn't be using it as a source of income, but as a way to help cover the costs of the show. But still, the jury's out on that one. But in the meantime, if you do want to support this little podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could share it with your friends. The more the merrier. Okay, next question. Why is the podcast called Dark Side when you tell stories that have some kind of good ending? Good question. Well, in February 2017, Ruth Bader Ginsburg made a speech about how justice was a pendulum. The true symbol of the United States is not the bald eagle. It is the pendulum. And when the pendulum swings too far in one direction... It will go back. Some terrible things have happened in the United States, but one can only hope that we learn from those bad things. This is only a snippet of the speech she made. I couldn't play the full speech for you, as it's actually pertinent to a case I'm working on, and I don't want to give the game away. However, she goes on to say, how when the pendulum swings too far in one direction, taking justice on a law-by-law journey to a dark side, it will always swing back to the light side. And that is the purpose of this podcast, to ride that pendulum from the dark side to the light side, where justice has been sought and wrongs have been righted, because after the darkness, there is always light. For those of you that don't recognize the name, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, well, she was a lawyer who served on the federal bench for 25 years. In 1993, she became the second woman ever to serve on the United States Supreme Court. Throughout that time, she continued to be a leading voice for gender equality, women's interests, and civil rights and liberties. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. And she is one of my heroes. She died of cancer on the 18th of September, 2020. And I launched my podcast two days later. It was originally going to be called by another name. But when I heard of Ruth's death and remembering how she inspired me, I called the podcast Dark in honour of Ruth and her lifelong passion to ensure that the pendulum of justice always swung from the dark side, back into the light. And lastly, we're on to the final question, and probably the toughest of the lot. Well, it's two questions, actually. I've amalgamated them as the answer has the same origin. How did I get into true crime? And what made me want to do a podcast? Well... It's a bit of a sad tale and one that is still ongoing so I can't go into a tremendous amount of detail. I've always had a penchant for horror films and historical non-fiction but I was never into true crime and I didn't listen to podcasts until after a tragic occurrence in 2019. I lost my dad in early 2019 but to me it wasn't a natural death. I believed nefarious work had been at play, and so I went on a deep dive to find the truth. I took six months off work and literally turned into an investigator. I swallowed medical dictionaries, legal documents and the minutiae of the law. I even went back to the source, where everything had originated that had started the journey to Dad's death. I asked question after question, but I was told that everything had occurred correctly under the guidance of the law. But I believed I was right, and so I set out to change the law. I even attended an adjournment debate held in the House of Commons to discuss my movement to change the law. For my international listeners, who may not know what an adjournment debate is, It is a debate that enables Members of Parliament to discuss a subject without considering a substantive motion. It is often used as a first step to get a law passed in the UK. However, the Minister who headed the debate pointed out that this case, Dad's case, didn't actually fall within the jurisdiction of the law I was trying to change. I'd been misinformed by the source. And so, away I went, a little downhearted that six months of work had culminated in nothing. And then, I finally received Dad's post-mortem. Yes, it took six long months to get. And what it revealed? Well, to me, it proved I'd been right all along. And so I set out on a different path, to bring legal justice to stop this from happening to anyone else, to right the wrongs that had happened to my dad, and to potentially others out there. I know this all sounds a little cloaked in mystery and ambiguous in detail, but that is because there is a legal case pending. I found a lawyer, a wonderful woman. It took me some time to find her because dad's case is very complex. But she's confident, that we have a case worth fighting. And so, that is all I can really say at this time. But I promise you, when I win, I'll share the whole story with you. So, how did Dad's death end up getting me into true crime, I hear you ask? Well, in the aftermath of Dad's death, I struggled. What we went through as a family was awful, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. To some degree, I'm glad I had the deep dive to find the truth, as it gave me a focus during some very dark times. And it was at this time that a friend reached out to me and told me how True Crime Podcasts had helped her when she was going through a bad time after a relative's death. Meh, it was worth a try. And so I downloaded an app and dove headfirst into True Crime Shows. And from the very first soundbite, I was hooked. There are many truly great true crime shows out there, but I became particularly drawn to those that resonated with me the most. The ones that focused less on the gore of the crime and more on the victim and their families and their struggle for justice. Because it was as if they were telling my story, my anguish, my pain. And it finally felt as though I had some level of understanding, that I wasn't alone, that there were others out there who'd gone through what I went through. And these shows that I've described? Well, they are the ones I've recommended at the footer of some of my episodes. Yes, I really do listen to those podcasts, and yes, they really did help me greatly. So how did this end up with me creating my own podcast? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to go to university to be a journalist, but that didn't happen. I've always loved to write, felt a solace in losing myself in words. I've written a couple of pantomimes, one of which has been performed. And for my international listeners who don't know what a pantomime is, well... It is probably one of the hardest stage performances to describe to a non-British person. It is only performed around Christmas. They're based on fairy tales, like Cinderella, for example. But men perform female roles, and women perform male roles. And everyone has over-the-top outfits and makeup, and the production is peppered with badly sung latest hit songs, and the dodgiest of Christmas cracker jokes, and slightly below-the-belt innuendos. And it's a children's show. Sound bizarre? Well, it is, but it makes perfect sense to every British person. And Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a good heckle at the Panto Dame. Oh, yes it is. I'm not selling this to you, am I? Mm -mm, No. You really need to Google it. Although I'm not sure that will help you understand it any better, sorry, I completely digressed, so yes, I've written a couple of pantomimes, but that's it. However, it was only after listening to so many true crime podcasts that I started to realize that whilst I looked forward to each episode that came out, I particularly liked the stories that ultimately changed the law, law enforcement or had some positive repercussions. Something good came out of something tragic. Because at the end of the day, that is what I'm seeking in my legal case, a positive outcome, that I will stop anyone else from being hurt the way that my dad was, to prevent another family going through what we had to endure. I scouted around all the platforms, and whilst I could find some podcasts that focus on changing the law, they were told from a reporting perspective, such as step by step through a trial with little emotion injected. I couldn't find any that focused on this aspect of true crime told as a story, with the victim and their family's plight at the heart of the episode, with emotion and empathy embedded throughout, with the focus being to swing that pendulum of justice from the dark side to the light and so a birthday present of a microphone later, and Darkside was born. And that's it for the questions. If you like today's q and A, I'm happy to do another one. You can send your questions to me at info at uk, or contact me on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up Darkside. Oh, and I promise you faithfully that if I do another episode like this, it will not take the place of a regular episode again. As I haven't provided you with a proper show this week, I won't be asking you to rate and review, or desecrate your lovely ears with my butchered translations. But I will remind you that Darkside will be back in its regular slot with a full and proper episode. So with that said, please don't forget to stay safe, stay alert. Suze, over and out.